<laughs> well, faster than you can say shallow grave, this pretty little thing come up to me and starts kneading my balls like hard-boiled eggs in a tube sock. Said her name was Bambi. And I said, well, that's a coincidence, darling. Cause I was just thinking about skinning you like a deer. Well, she smiled. Had about as much teeth as a jack-o'-lantern. And I went on to tell her how I would wear her face like a mask as I do my little cookie dance. And then she told me to shush. I guess she could sense my desperation. Of course, it's hard to hide a heart on when you're dressed like Minnie Pearl. Yes, the lap dance is so much better when the stripper is crying. Yes, the lap dance is so much better when the stripper is crying. Well, I find it's quite a thrill when she Prosecutors say Sandra had a powerful drug called aprazolam in her system. That's the generic form of Xanax, a medicine generally prescribed for anxiety. Prosecutors also say they found more evidence inside the Clover Road Baptist Church. A cord from the blinds was used to tie the suitcase shut. Also, a blood-stained rolling pin was found inside the church. Prosecutors say injuries to Sandra Cantu were consistent with a sexual assault from the rolling pin. Oh. Music and murder contains violence, oh. profanity, oh. and graphic material that may not be suitable for children oh. or people with weak stomachs. Oh. Parental advisory is definitely recommended. Well, hello there. Remember me? The dude that plugs his music in every episode talks graphically about people being murdered? Yeah, that's me, Michael D. Keeney. But my friends call me... Well, they don't really call me these days, they just text me, so fuck. This is Music and Murder episode 17, and let me sincerely apologize up front, for thou bringeth you the most awful case that I've ever done so far. And by awful, I'm talking about this case is being about a child. Not something that I've ever really done on this show, except for, of course, the last episode, but even that was nothing like this one. No, this case has some pedophilia and rape and, of course, murder. This is a case that is not for everyone that listens to this show. So if you are not into horribly gruesome stories, turn this off now. For those of you that are deranged enough to still be here with me, I guarantee that this episode content is going to surprise you and make you say what the actual fucking fuck. Happy holidays to all of you, and please just remember... I do these shows to let you know exactly what's out there in the real world. Life is not a Disney movie, and people around you are not Disney characters. I want to remind you of that, and to let you know that your neighbor may seriously be stacking bodies in their closet right now as you listen to this. Fact, millions of people go missing every year in the United States. Just last year alone there were over 600,000 and there were also around 5,000 unidentified bodies. So, thus the more you know, the less likely you are to be a victim. Learn, research, be able to protect your family and your friends, and listen to this show. And with that, let's jump right into this story that takes place really close to where I grew up, in the San Joaquin Valley of California. And remember, this is graphic content. You have been warned.
Tell me, have you ever tried spelling out the words San Joaquin Valley? I have a few college degrees and I grew up there and I still cannot spell that shit. It's a lame ass spelling and it should be cancelled. Now this story from 2009 revolves around a woman named Melissa Huckabee. Huckabee was born on February 23rd, 1981. And just right up front, let me acknowledge that there are absolutely no men perpetrators in this story, which is kind of odd, right? I know you're all saying right now, but didn't he say in the beginning that the story had elements of pedophilia? Well, that is true. And that is why I'm telling this story. I am literally telling this particular story to let you know that not all sexual predators are males. Females are sexual predators as well. They just don't get caught as much as men do. And they just basically get away with committing sex crimes a hell of a lot more than men do for obvious reasons. The last real credible numbers that I've seen are from three years ago and they state that internationally, that means worldwide, women commit 15% of all sex crimes. Kind of shocking, right? Makes you wonder about that Sunday school teacher that you see at church all the time. Trust me, this story will do just that. Now the year was 2009. The location was in Tracy, California, which is the second most populated city in the San Joaquin County. Not San Joaquin City, not San Joaquin River, San Joaquin County, which is in the heart of California. Stockton, California is currently the most populated city in the county of San Joaquin. The population in Tracy, California was just about 93,000 in 2020. I have a lot of California listeners being that I reside here, so if any of you are familiar with Cali, Tracy is, lo is uh, located inside a geographic triangle formed by Interstate 205 on the north side of the city, Interstate 5 to the east, and Interstate 580 to the southwest. It's basically between Sacramento and San Francisco. So our main person in this case is Melissa Huckabee. She was 28 at the time of this case in 2009. Now, Melissa grew up in Southern California in Orange County. And I just, I just have to say, there is something about Orange County and senseless murders. That was literally where Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, began his first murders. And there are countless others. I call it the O.C. Corral. Hmm. There was a TV show called The O.C. when I was a kid, and it led us to believe that it was just a safe place with a bunch of rich people that surfed a lot, but it wasn't. There and Santa Cruz, they, they were both bad news. Nowadays, Orange County is home to a bunch of rich, pretentious assholes, for the most part. Now, if you're a listener there, please don't think that I'm saying everybody from Orange County is an asshole. Of course they are not. But, of course, most of them are. I've been all over California a million times, and the OC is the most overrated and overpriced place I've ever seen. I apologize if you live there. Feel free to message me on IG at music underscore murder underscore podcast and bitch at me if you feel like it. Everyone else does. Case in point, as you will soon see, Melissa Huckabee was born there, so fuck the OC. Now, Melissa Huckabee, who I will now just call Huckabee, because syllables are the work of the devil, and I do not do the devil's bidding. Huckabee bounced back and forth between Tracy and Orange County after she finished high school. She had family in both places, obviously. Her father, 
unlike most of the people that I talk about on this show, was not an abusive alcoholic dick. I think that's literally the second time in 17 episodes that I was able to say that. Her family stated that she was a loving mother with a strong religious background. But we'll decide exactly what this bitch was, right? We'll, we'll make the decision. She may have been religious, but she sure as fuck didn't worship God or Jesus Christ. It was more like Satan or even worse. So Huckabee lived in Orchard Estates Mobile Home Park with her five-year-old daughter, who I will leave unnamed being that she was a minor back then and likely would not want to be associated with her mother in any way, shape, or form. And I will, re I will totally respect that. Now Huckabee moved to Tracy, California to be part of her grandfather's church, which was called Clover Road Baptist Church, where Huckabee became a Sunday school teacher. Yes, that is correct. This fucking schwat became a Sunday school teacher so she could work around children. And sorry I, I didn't say it earlier, but um, Huckabee is a twat. So uh, there could be Huckabees all over the place. And some of you parents could be dropping your kids off to these Huckabees on a regular basis. Don't ever, never, ever, ever leave your kid with an adult you don't know without having at least surveillance cameras on them. That's the only way to keep them from being victimized positively for sure. You need to be able to monitor their every move when they're with somebody else, especially one single person. And it doesn't matter if this person has a penis or a vagina as the point of this story, right? So Huckabee had a history of some minor mental illnesses. She was taking sedatives and other medications, psychotropic drugs, obviously, uh, specifically Xanax and other things to treat bipolar disorder and supposedly a hint of schizophrenia. Though I cannot find why this diagnosis exists or exactly which type that it was that she had. If you're a fan of this show, you know that there are multiple types of schizophrenia, with paranoid schizophrenia being the most prevalent. And no types of schizophrenia are curable, just so you know. They're merely treatable with proper medications and, you know, a little therapy. So this mentally ill woman with a ton of Xanax begins drugging people. And what she did with them, Satan only knows. Xanax is a benzodiazepine that is prescribed as a sedative, usually for anxiety disorder. And in some cases, to treat paranoia and PTSD. Now, I myself have been on this drug for many, many years, and I don't mind disclosing that. I have chronic anxiety disorder, and I have had that for many, many years. I don't worry much or give two fucks about most things that make most people cry, but my adrenal glands, well, they've been beating the hell from the way that I grew up and the fact that I never slept during my 20s at all. I'm sure most of you can put two and two together, so I don't need to explain. But yeah, if you drug me with Xanax, I'm not going to fall asleep. I'll likely ask for more. Anyway, so Huckabee is now drugging people with her Xanax, including her boyfriends and little girls that hang out with her five-year-old daughter. There's only two actual cases that we know of that have police reports filed. But we will get into that after the song from Theory of a Dead Man called Santa Monica. And I really, really, really like this song. And I hope that you all appreciate it and like it as well. Now, I'll be right back. Love is 
Christmas to all you motherfuckers out there that realize that Carol Baskin killed her fucking husband and Jeff Lowe is a motherfucking Oompa Loompa that escaped the motherfucking Willy Wonka factory. Little midget logo wearing motherfucker. Well, it's that time of year again. You know that time when dumb motherfuckers buy other dumb motherfuckers a bunch of stupid shit that they don't even want or need so they can try to make them feel fucking special? I bet Carol Baskin's husband feels fucking special. If he's still alive by the time that this airs, we all know that her last husband sure the fuck didn't make it. I will be running for president as an independent. At least I'm hoping. Cause Jeff Lowe is doing my motherfucking funding, so there's no fucking telling. But hopefully, I will be. And I'll be the best motherfucking president who ever lived. Better than fucking Washington, better than motherfucking Lincoln, better than fucking Trump, better than Art's mom from Fresno. Of course, she wasn't the president of the United States, but still, she was the president of something different, motherfuckers. But yes, I'll be running. We all know what happens to motherfuckers that don't vote for me. Surprise, you fucking die, motherfucker. You don't vote for me, and you die. 
Well, all right then. As your future motherfucking 2024 president, I'm signing off. Merry stupid fucking Christmas. My name is Joe fucking Exotic, and that's President Joe Exotic to you motherfuckers. And I approve this message, which is fucking stupid because... I just said the motherfucking thing. I don't get why every fucking stupid motherfucking politician has to say that he approved the message. It's like, we know you approved the message, you dumb motherfucker. Stupid fucking cocksucking motherfucker, psychopath, idiotic cunt bitch, motherfucking cock. Merry Christmas. So as Joe Exotic said, Merry Christmas, and I want to thank all of you for tolerating me. Thank you, and I hope that it's been a great year for you. I know that 2022 was quite a shit show in general, with the wars, the up and down consequences of the pandemic. And on that happy note, we'll get back to our story. But first, please follow the show at our IG page, which can be found at music underscore murder underscore podcast. And feel free to message me about anything that's important to you. Okay, back to this gruesome, heartbreaking story. The year is now 2009, and the time is now January. And 28-year-old Melissa Huckabee has moved from Orange County, California, to Tracy, California, which is by San Francisco. She moved there to work as a Sunday school teacher for her grandfather's church, the Clover Road Baptist Church, which I believe still stands there today, which is absolutely disgusting because if God smited Sodom and Gomorrah, it surely should have smited this fucking church down, right? So as Huckabee's working as a Sunday school teacher, she has a little game that she likes to play with the little girls. And that game is called Drink My Fucking Xanax and Let Me Molest You While You Pass Out. There's no telling exactly how long this disgusting game took place or exactly how many times that she played it. But there were two times that were documented and reported to the Tracy Police Department. One was with a seven-year-old girl that Huckabee just decided to drug and take somewhere. And another was with her ex-boyfriend. Just a few weeks later, Both went to the police and had a toxicology report done, and both had Xanax in their system, and neither were actually on Xanax. The seven-year-old little girl literally almost died. She couldn't even stand up or control her body for hours after Huckabee brought her back to her mother. And of course, Huckabee acted like she had no idea what happened. Huckabee just said that the little girl just like took off for a minute and she came back and she was very ill. How odd. Of course the mother knew Huckabee was full of shit and went straight to the police who questioned Huckabee. Then just a few weeks later, the same thing happened with Huckabee's boyfriend. Now of course, her ex-boyfriend. So at the time, Huckabee's ex went to the hospital to get a a toxicology report as well It was exactly 29 days before Huckabee finally did the unthinkable. Because even though she was thought to have drugged the seven-year-old girl and her boyfriend and Saint Noli knows who else, the Tracy Police Department, who even knew that Huckabee literally had this drug that was found in both the little girl and her boyfriend's system, just questioned her and did absolutely nothing. Nada. They just figured that this dumb, worthless twat was a Sunday school teacher, so there was no way that these allegations and toxicology reports could be correct. Now, I'm not going to come out and just say it like I always do. If the fucking Tracy Police Department did the job that they were hired to do, this episode wouldn't even take place. Because Huckabee would have been stopped right then and there, but she wasn't, because the Tracy Police were a bunch of fucking incompetent idiots, unworthy of their badges. There was a hundred times more evidence so far in this story than there was during the entire Scott Peterson case. So much relies on the police force. They're literally everything. 
they are literally everything when it comes to these kind of cases. You have good detectives, and you likely will find the right perpetrator or unsub. You have the Tracy Dick Team Police Department, and you may catch the right person if the evidence literally falls out of the sky and lands on their fucking face. So 29 days pass since Huckabee drugs her now ex-boyfriend, 32-year-old Daniel Plowman, and 25 days later, on March 27, 2009, a very sweet 8-year-old young lady named Sandra Cantu goes missing from the Orchard Estates mobile home park. Sandra lived just a few mobile homes down from Huckabee and used to play with Huckabee's five-year-old daughter regularly, being that they were, you know, close to the same age, went to the same school, right? Sandra went missing sometime in the late afternoon, around four o'clock on that Friday, March 27th, which was a beautiful 85-degree day in Tracy. So pretty much all of the kids in the whole mobile home park were out and about and playing. Sandra first came home after playing right after school and then told her family that she was leaving again to go play with another friend at their house. But she didn't say who. Now young Sandra Cantu lived in the mobile home with her mother, her grandparents, and her three older siblings. Different sources state that there was different people that were at the house when she came home, but her mother was definitely there. Sandra was a second grade student at Melville Jacobson Elementary School and she was in some gifted classes and was very smart for her age. After not returning home by around 7 p.m., her family began to worry and began calling neighbors and friends in the area. Finally, around 7.50, they reported Sandra missing. The local Tracy police came in. They did a search of everything that they legally could search and then the FBI came in immediately afterwards, which was a great thing. During that weekend on March 28th and March 29th, police dogs, equestrian teams, all-terrain vehicles, and a helicopter from the California Highway Patrol were brought in to search for young Sandra Cantu. And a $22,000 reward was offered for any information in the case. The FBI went diligently over surveillance tapes and they saw Cantu skipping away from her house and noticed that something had caught young Sandra Cantu's eye. Now what she caught made her change directions. As if someone had called her, they couldn't see from this angle where she went to from there. Now I will be right back with the chilling details of this case after this song from White Lion called When the Children Cry. Be right back.
Eight-year-old Sandra Cantu went missing on March 27, 2009, literally 19 days after her birthday. The FBI is now involved in going over every surveillance camera available, as well as offering a $22,000 reward and utilizing their profilers to help with the case. They even questioned some fucking weirdo that was caught kissing Sandra Cantu on the lips at the mobile home swimming pool when she was just six years old. Which is a crime, and hopefully the pedophilic cocksucker was charged with molestation of a minor under the age of 14. But this is California, and he probably wasn't. You see, California lets so many of these fucking chomos go it's just insane. So anyway, after they clear this guy, who likes to kiss six-year-old girls on the lips, they focus on creating a profile. You know, like the TV shows, which is usually fake as hell, by the way. Profiling is a thing, but it doesn't happen on every case like it does on TV shows. But in this case, it did happen. The profile that they conjured up was just a waste of fucking time. And why wouldn't it be? They literally had no evidence. The profile that they came up with consisted of a white male, which usually, I mean to be fair, usually it is white males that are doing this type of shit, aged between 25 years old and 40 years old, with a criminal history of sexual assault or child pornography. The only part that was right was the age, and even that was close to being wrong. Because remember, old Huckabee was 28 years old, right? So yeah, it was a worthless profile. So let's step back to the day that, that uh, Sandra Cantu initially first went missing. Huckabee literally sent a text to Cantu's mother saying that she's not sure if it helps but she had a suitcase that went missing and was likely stolen right around the same exact time that Sandra Cantu went missing and then she even told the police after they were searching the area pretty shady right but wait there's more the next day, during a vigil for Sandra Cantu, Huckabee once again shows her ignorance and her need for attention yet again by telling the FBI officers at the vigil, mind you, that not only did she have a suitcase missing, but she also found a note in front of her house. And this note was very, very peculiar because it was not only in front of her house, but it also had like everything misspelled. So I'm going to read you what the note said. It said, Cantu locked in stolen suitcase, thrown in water on Bachetti Road and Whitehall Road. Witness. The letter was misspelled horribly, as I said, and was pretty much the last straw for the FBI 
and the local police as they began to piece together the likelihood that this bitch who had a history of drugging kids, her boyfriend, and God knows who else, had a stolen suitcase in front of her house, uh, rather a suitcase stolen in front of her house, and a note in front of her house found on her porch, most likely had something to do with this. Yeah, they were rocket scientists, all right. Tracy's finest all the way. They finally started to piece something together. So after all of this, they, well, you can guess. Nope, you're wrong. They didn't arrest her. They just made note of all this. Just a little memo. However, they did notice, uh, they did notice, excuse me, that on the video that they were watching, as far as the one that I mentioned earlier, they did notice that when Sandra Cantu changed her direction right before she went missing, she did begin to walk towards Huckabee's trailer. And finally, finally, no, just kidding again, they still didn't arrest her, not at all. But they were getting closer. On April 10th, 2009, 10 days after young Sandra Cantu was missing, she was finally found. She was found in a ponding basin just a couple miles away from her house, thanks to a routine draining. If the ponding basin had not been drained, she could still possibly be there in 2022. She was found inside the suitcase that Huckabee reported stolen. Big surprise, right? But also, of course, Huckabee once again was not arrested. Was she even the one who did it? Was she the one that actually did this crime? Was there someone else? Maybe she was telling the truth or she was framed? The police sure thought so. I mean, they couldn't possibly be that stupid to just keep letting her elude justice, right? Perhaps they knew something that we didn't. Well, here is the sad truth. After yet another and final lead came forth, Huckabee was finally, finally, for real, arrested for the kidnapping, murder, drugging, and rape of young eight-year-old Sandra Cantu. It finally sealed the deal when a retired United States Marine and his wife had spotted Huckabee at the ponding basin when Cantu's body was found, or where Cantu's body was found. They even stopped her to ask what she was doing because she seemed very distraught and nervous. Her reply to them was that she had to stop to urinate. Still though, it still took the FBI and the Tracy police 17 more days before they arrested her. With all of this evidence, all of her history, and talking to the police about bullshit notes and her stupid fucking suitcase being stolen, it still took literally two weeks before they arrested Huckabee who in my mind should have been detained that day. But here's why she wasn't in my mind. She wasn't detained in my mind or even questioned because she was a woman. That's right. I think that if she had been a man, she would have been arrested within two fucking days because Men mostly do this, so I do kind of get it, but when there's that much evidence, you kind of have to really wonder what the fuck the police were thinking. Ah, <sighs> We all need an intermission. This is a Sarah McLachlan song that I have, and uh, it's a great song. It's called In the Arms of the Angels, and I'm sure you've heard it, probably while you've seen a bunch of like starving animals and stuff on these commercials. But this is a different version of just her and the piano, and it is a very beautiful version. I will be right back with the final conclusion 
to this entire story. Stick with me. It's worth listening to.
right, Ms. Huckabee, there's been a complaint filed in case number SF111539A that alleges in count one of murder and that on or about March 27th of 2009, the crime of murder in violation of section 187 of the Penal Code of Felony was committed by Melissa Huckabee, who at the time and place last aforesaid did willfully and unlawfully and intentionally with malice aforethought murder Sandra Cantu, a human being. There are three special circumstances alleged. In the first special circumstance, it is further alleged that the murder of Sandra Cantu was committed by defendant Melissa Huckabee while the said defendant was engaged in the commission of the crime of kidnapping in violation of Penal Code Sections 207 and 209. In the second alleged special circumstance, it is further alleged that the murder of Sandra Cantu was committed by Melissa Huckabee while the said defendant was engaged in the commission, attempted commission, or immediate flight after the commission or attempted commission of the crime of performance of lewd and lascivious acts upon the person of a child under the age of 14 in violation of Penal Code Section 288 within the meaning of Penal Code Section 190.2, parentheses A, parentheses 17, parentheses E. In the third special circumstance, it is further alleged that the murder of Sandra Cantu was committed by Melissa Huckabee, while said defendant was engaged in the commission, attempted commission, or immediate flight after the commission, or attempted commission, of the crime of rape by instrument in violation of Penal Code Section 289, within the meaning of Penal Code Section 190.2A, 17K. They say Melissa Huckabee drugged eight-year-old Sandra Cantu, sexually assaulted her, and then murdered her by smothering her face with a cloth. Now, Melissa Huckabee spoke in court today. It was a surprise to the people gathered in the courtroom. She apologized to Sandra Cantu's family. But the prosecutors say they still don't know why. What would compel her to attack this young girl, to take her life? They say that what they do know is that she had a history of drugging people. She drugged another little girl in the same mobile home park as well as an ex-boyfriend. But Juliet, they don't know why she would have drugged Sandra Cantu and taken it to the level of murder. The testimony is heartbreaking. All right, Joe Vasquez. Joe, thank you. So after 17 long, grueling days of eight-year-old Sandra Cantu missing, police finally arrest 28-year-old Sunday school teacher Melissa Huckabee. Huckabee had drugged at least two other people. One was a seven-year-old girl and the other was her boyfriend. She claimed that a suitcase was stolen. She claimed to find a note from the kidnapper on her front porch and it still took the fucking police two weeks to get this worthless twat off the streets. There's literally no telling how many young girls or boys that this woman had drugged and molested. This bitch literally had her face tattooed on Satan's arm. Eight-year-old Sandra Cantu's little body was found in a fetal position inside of Huckabee's suitcase. Eight-year-old Sandra Cantu was still wearing her same clothes that she had on when she was last seen. A pink Hello Kitty t-shirt and black leggings. Her body had been beaten brutally. She was raped with foreign objects. Video evidence shows Huckabee driving her to the church where she worked at for at least an hour or so. So we can only imagine what she did to her. There was a dough roller found in the church kitchen with Cantu's blood still on it, which police believed to be the main weapon in bludgeoning and raping this poor eight-year-old girl. The coroner stated that the main cause for her death was by asphyxiation and smothering of her with a rag that was actually dipped in rubbing alcohol. And then, after this poor baby girl was kidnapped, drugged, beaten, and raped, she had a makeshift noose from a piece of cloth placed around her neck until she was choked to death. After that, she was placed into the suitcase and thrown into the ponding basin to rot away in the water like a worthless piece of trash. And keep in mind, this Huckabee bitch was a fucking mother to a baby girl 
right around Sandra's age. I told you in the beginning I was going to make you say, what the actual fuck. Some say Huckabee was desperate for attention, hence the suitcase and the note. Some say that she was just crazy. Some say that she was a jealous bitch and she was like literally jealous of Sandra Cantu spending too much time with her own daughter. I say this with 100% certainty. This woman has sexually abused several children. I believe it is why she initially became a Sunday school teacher in the first place. I believe that she only meant to sexually assault and molest Sandra Cantu and it got out of control and she accidentally killed her either by asphyxiation or some other way. Maybe she OD'd her on the, on the Xanax that she was given her because she is a dumb worthless fucking twat that should have gotten the death penalty like any man would have likely got. But we as a nation have only killed a handful of women so I understand why the DA went after life without parole. At least Huckabee got life without parole. And at least Huckabee will never, ever, ever, never be able to sexually assault another victim. Because I doubt they're going to give her Xanax in prison, at least not enough to knock people out. However, she is locked up in California, and she is a chomo. That means child molester to all of you that don't recognize the beautiful and complexity of the language of the incarcerated. To this day, Huckabee's family still visits her. It must be really, really nice to have a family that stands behind you when you rape and kill little girls. <sighs> I just couldn't fucking imagine. I don't care how much I like anybody, I would never in my life have anything to do with somebody that did something like that. Fuck her and her family. They can all fucking rot and burn in hell. And with that, there's episode 17 of Music and Murder. I leave you with a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. May you snort a whole eight ball of Coke, smoke a bag of Perp, and drink everything in the world until you literally feel like you're going to die for three days. Tis the season. And always remember, never forget, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that they're not out to get you. Because they are. Till the next episode, I'm Michael D. Keeney, and this is an old song of mine called Evil. Take care of yourself and take care of the ones you love. Really, nothing, nothing at all, nothing else matters. It is not enough that I say I'm sorry, but that's all I can do. From the day Sandra has died, I've had to live with the consequences of what I've done. For the rest of my life, I'm going to have to live with this. With the responsibility for her death. Not a day, not an hour. Goodbye. So they can think of the harm that I caused. I loved Sandra a great deal. She was sweet and as a little girl who did not deserve to have such a short life. I had honor responsible for Sandra's death. I would like to apologize directly to you, Maria, for all the pain that I've caused you. I should not have taken Sandra from you. And I want you to know that she did not suffer and I did not sexually molest her daughter. I would also like to apologize to Sanders' extended family. I know that I have caused you a great deal of grief, but I am truly sorry. I would also like to apologize to my own family for what I have put them through. I'm grateful that they have continued to stand by me, and I thank you for your unconditional love and support. I know how hard this has been for you as well. 
that you continue to stand by me, and I can't tell you how much that means to me. But I'd also like to apologize to my own daughter, whom I lost. I hope that someday you will forgive me. I love you a great deal, and I hope to see you again someday soon. I owe an apology to the people of Tracy, these officers who spent so much time looking for Sandra. I know that this has touched each of you personally, and for that I'm truly sorry. I know in my heart that God has forgiven me. I know my family has forgiven me. And I'm asking you, Maria, for your forgiveness. I can't imagine forgiving somebody who would harm my own daughter. But I hope that someday you can forgive me. Maria, I wish I could give you an explanation for what happened. I owe you an explanation. I still cannot understand why I did what I did. Every day I try to discover my motivation, but I still do not have an answer. This is a question I will struggle with for the rest of my life. I wish that I could do more to help you. I wish I could bring Sandra back, but I can't. I wish I could trick places with her, but I can't do that either. I know that Sandra's death will continue to cause you pain. And I hope that this apology will help you in some way by accepting responsibility for what I have done. I hope that I can give you some peace. Thank you. in a picture of you in the rain I capture your beauty and all of your pain I want you to notice I'm not what I seem I look like a nightmare you are my dream You tell me that I'm evil And that's alright with me They say that I'm a monster But I disagree Well I disagree By the fire, we drink the red wine, and you softly whisper, Let's leave the past behind. They tell me that I'm evil, and that's alright with me. They say that I'm a monster. But I disagree Do you think that I'm evil? Please tell me what you see Cause you are the only thing That matters to me change 
nothing bothers me They say that I'm a monster But I disagree Do you think that I'm evil? Please tell me what you see 